Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Order shipments? Check. Virtual meeting? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Eddie Trunk here. Time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It is free. Podcast1.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. And thank you for checking it out each and every week. I do greatly appreciate you listening around the world. It means a lot. I want to also thank our sponsor and our good friends at Goodies Headache Powder. And yeah, it's that time of year. It's around the holidays, and you may have overindulged a little bit, which may have resulted in a hangover. And if that's the case, you need the new product, Goodies Hangover, because that gives you a powerful pain reliever and a boosting ingredient that'll help you get past that tired feeling, groggy feeling that you get with a hangover. It gives you a boost of alertness and a boost of pain relief. All that. Bad stuff that comes with a hangover. Goodies hangover will help you out. Hangover relief at the speed of powder. It's available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, other fine retailers. With more info at goodiespowder.com. So as we uh, are now well into December and getting closer to the end of the year, a year that I think just about everybody on the planet would agree has been a horrible year on a lot of different levels. Light at the end of the tunnel, I was speaking to Phil Campbell of Motorhead a little while ago, and this past uh, Tuesday they began vaccinations where he lives in Wales, which is an encouraging sign. And here in the U.S., vaccine plans starting to roll out. So we got a little ways to go yet, but finally some encouraging signs being made about a future of normalcy, hopefully. Uh, So let me tell you about this week's podcast. And of course, we want to remind you to be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com, music news on my website. Uh, There is an all-access page. You can hear my 
terrestrial syndicated FM show on demand, which is about to go into year end mode already did actually, well actually does this weekend where I do nothing but music from one artist for four weeks in a row. We're doing rush. We're doing Van Halen. We're doing kiss and we're doing ACDC this year. Of course, listen to me every day on volume Sirius XM channel one Oh six. If you're in America or Canada, you can hear me live two to 4 PM Eastern nightly replays, 10 to midnight Eastern Full shows, audio, video, all that on demand on the SiriusXM app. Become a SiriusXM subscriber and hear daily rock talk and interviews with your favorite artists, which you get here on this podcast, a tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis, over six live weekly, a live daily radio shows throughout the week on SiriusXM radio, five on volume channel 106 and one on Monday on Hair Nation, all of my shows branded under the name Trunk Nation. Hope you join me for them if you aren't already. So, like I say, the interviews you hear, you get a tiny smattering of what I do on a regular basis there. And for lack of a better term, you know, this is a grunge episode <laughs> of the Eddie Trunk podcast. And it's it's probably, a, you know, a term that... Uh, you know, I hate the term hair metal, hair band, and I'm under the impression that probably some of the bands don't like the term grunge that came from that era. So, you know, 90s rock, you want to go with that? Anyway, ironically, we're going to feature members of a couple of the bands that put an end to the 80s stuff, at least for a while, when they came around and had big prominence late 80s and into the 90s. Because in the last week or two, on my Trunk Nation show on Sirius XM, I had Jerry Cantrell and Sean Kinney of Alice in Chains and Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam on the show. Jerry and Sean were promoting their Founders Award induction into the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle which went off with a huge streaming event that took place about a week ago that had all these artists paying tribute to Alice in Chains. So for context, the interview you're about to hear, because again, these interviews happen live on my radio show. The interview you're about to hear happened the afternoon prior to that big streaming event airing. So needless to say, it has since happened and since aired and I believe you can still see a lot of it on YouTube if you hear them talk about it. And at the time we had this conversation, we didn't know, who, you know, who was playing, and they didn't know who was pay, playing what song in tribute to them. That has now all been figured out because it's happened; it's aired. So keep the context and the timeline in place when you hear this, and then after you hear it, you can go online and you can see all the performances and see who played what from Alice in Chains. Everyone from Metallica to guys from Foo Fighters to you name it, and Wilson, Nancy Wilson, all doing Alice in Chains songs. It was really cool. So we'll talk to Jerry and Sean first about that, among other things. And then second, Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam, who was joined by a drummer by the name of Matt Chamberlain. Uh, Stone Gossard is doing a band on the side of Pearl Jam that he calls to talk predominantly about, but we also talk about 
some Pearl Jam stuff, and we also are joined halfway through the interview by the drummer Matt Chamberlain, uh, who he's doing this other band with, which you'll learn all about in the interview. So two interviews, two major artists from major bands that had major success, especially in the early to mid-90s. We start with Jerry and Sean from Alice in Chains, second Stone and Matt, Stone, of course, from Pearl Jam. That's what we have for you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Remember, I am on Cameo. If you'd like a personalized video, just go to Cameo.com, find my profile there. I mentioned all the social media. I mentioned the radio show. I think we're ready to hear the interviews. So thanks for tuning in on the podcast. We'll get to them right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? We all do these days, that's for sure. Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yep, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV, and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk on this week's podcast. Coming up a little bit later on, Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam, but we start off with Sean Kinney and Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains talking about the big Founders Award event, which, like I said earlier, has now happened. You can see it online, but we talked and had this conversation just before it aired, which it did a few hours after the conversation you're about to hear, and uh, now these guys know who did what from their respective band, but... Fun to hear the conversation, nonetheless. So let's check it out right now. Jerry, how are you, man? Hey, what's going on, man? How's things? All right. Yeah, all right, man. Just uh, Sean. I'm I think good. we got the uh, thing tonight. I think we got Sean there too. I'm sorry, Jerry. Sean just rang in. Sean, you there? That's cool. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hey, man. Welcome. How you doing, man? Been a long time. Yeah, I think it was a hard rock in Florida a few years ago. It was probably the last time I saw you guys and saw you guys play. It was a, it was a killer show and a big night. I know you have tonight. But before we get into what's going on with with Mopop, Jerry, I got to ask you, uh, how you doing on football season? You know, Fabiano texts me all the time. I know he says he drops your name all the time as being his buddy on the fantasy football stuff. How's your season going? Uh, not so good. He beat me last night, actually. I lost three games in a row. Russell's on a little bit of a lull, even though the Seahawks are winning. That's the most important thing. They're 8-3 and three now, and the Steelers are 10-0. and 0, So real football, great season. Fantasy football, not so good. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was rooting hard for your Seahawks last night as a Giants fan, so you did me a favor. Although, of course, this year, uh, this week, I've got to come into Seattle with a backup quarterback, so I, I'm not, my prospects aren't so good this this week coming up, but last week you helped me out. So I uh, last night you helped me out. So I appreciate that. But um, Jones out with a hand, right? 
Yeah, they don't know if he's going to play or not, but I think they're going to they're going to sit him down and rest him for a week or so. But yes, at four and seven, we're in first place, so it's meaningful. I, I don't do the fantasy stuff because I can never put myself in a situation where I would have to root against my favorite team. You know, that's why I just can't do it. I don't know how you guys do it. And I've said that to Fabiano. It's just very hard for me to, to process that and get into that. But I know it's a big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, your whole team isn't your whole fantasy team isn't playing against your team. There's it's a player off of the team or whatever. And it's just strictly based on points. It really has nothing to do with wins or losses. It's just accumulating points. Um your, your your real fandom doesn't have have to be a threat, man. It doesn't. It, it's not threatened there, Ed. Don't worry about it, <laughs> Jerry. There's no scenario on the planet where I could see myself rooting for players on any of the other three teams in the NFC East. I just, I don't care how good they are. So that's that's my quandary. Sean, do you get into this stuff too, or no? I do not. I don't. <laughs> there's math involved, and there's a lot of like emotions that I I can. Uh, I can flame out and get upset about all sorts of other shit. So I don't really need to spend that much time on on that. That's not my top priority. But I do enjoy watching Jerry and Mike. Those, those are the two from our band and that just live and breathe it and look forward to it all the time. And like sometimes we're on tour and they're just got their computers out, you know, in the dressing room. They're just on it. I think that's, you know, I love the passion behind it. I understand that. But... Uh, right. And, and you know the 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 band has a league that they put together and that we donate things to and you know it does it 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 uh, affects some change. It's a charity league and we raise money every year with yeah and uh, while we're while we're being nuts about football. <laughs> well, right, so you actually, guys have that. It actually helps some people out, you know, which is cool. So you know their 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 crazy, you know, fanatic thing is actually going to some good, which is great. Yeah, I know you guys have that big draft at the beginning of every year, which is a charitable thing, so that's that's really cool. Um, all right, so let's talk about what's going on tonight, because speaking of really cool and speaking of charitable, congratulations, this is awesome. You guys are being honored with the Founders Award at the Museum of Pop Culture. I guess, and, and Jerry, take this one first, and then we'll go to Sean. Um, for, for people that aren't based in Seattle and aren't familiar with this, uh, this uh, museum, and what this actually is, can you can you fill everybody in on it a little bit? Well, it's a nonprofit museum that was uh, started by uh, Paul Allen in Seattle, and it was an, originally the kind of like a Jimi Hendrix kind of a museum, but has kind of evolved into a, a much larger, much larger thing with music and film and art, and uh, uh, you know involves the kids in the community and lets them be a part of it. Uh, you can walk through and see. All, you know, all sorts of, of great stuff that you would probably see at, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and, and like, interactive stuff that kids can play. And it's just a cool cool thing to celebrate, you know, celebrate uh, music and, uh, and, and art. And, 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 uh, and it's, a, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun thing. I've been a part of a few of these. I've been able to be a part of honoring, like, Jimmy Page and uh, John Fogarty and the Doors and, and when they received the award and kind of jamming their tunes to them, which is a trip, standing on a, standing on a stage and playing no quarter to Jimmy Page, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, with, with your friends. And it's, it's pretty fun, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it, like you mentioned, it's a charitable event. And, uh, the tonight 
will be no exception. So, uh, you know, when you're watching the thing and you see the donate button there, kick in a little bit and get back to the community. Yeah, Sean, I noticed that about this, that this is anybody can watch this and it's not a paid. We're seeing so many of these paid ticketed streams. It's not one of those. It's wide open for everybody to watch starting at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific tonight. But it is basically the, the chip jar model. People, you know, being asked to drop a donation, whatever you can afford in. That's that's the way it's working, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it obviously, uh if you haven't noticed, you may have noticed that the world's uh, fucked up right now. It's kind of like a thing going on. <laughs> yeah, and everything's everything's a little weird, but and money's tight, you know. But a, a a dollar here goes a long way, you know. So it's you don't have to put in a bunch of dough. You don't have to put in anything if you don't want to. But it really helps, and it goes to a good cause and keeps the arts and funds things, uh, programs for kids. You know, a lot of schools don't have music programs like they had when we were kids, and all this. It does a lot of great a lot of great work and it's a great facility that has a lot of more you know interesting stuff he's got all this if you're into sci-fi you know there's all this you know the terminator 2 the actual thing just you know r2d2s and all sorts of weird crazy stuff Face hugger. So, the book yeah, of the, you know, uh, so evil there's whole there's the, horror the, stuff the, the yeah there's horror huh? stuff and freddy krueger's <laughs> glove and freddy krueger you know there's so there's a horror section now there's a sci-fi section there's a the music thing there's a lot of interactive stuff you know it does uh some shows go on in there. It's just a really, really cool, you know, facility to keep people engaged. And, you know, basically it's a, it's a rich guy's coolest man cave, if you've ever seen in your life, <laughs> that, that uh, people go and, you know, helps raise money to keep future generations interested in the arts. And it's, it's, uh, it's cool to get an award. You know, we've, we've got a few trinkets over the years, but, this one means something because it's our hometown, you know, and the fact that it's uh, it, it it's always like Jerry said, it took part in a room to 150, 200 people, you know, and whoever was there was there. And it happened and they'd get a group of different musicians and they would play the songs of the honoree live, you know, and then if the if the award recipient wanted to get up and play or not, they didn't have to, they could, some did, some don't. And, you know, it just kind of happened this one evening. It was kind of cool. I've been to a few, a couple of the ones Jerry went to, a couple of other ones. But uh, this, is, this is different because of COVID, you know, they had to really go the extra mile. And so now it kind of opens it up to everybody, which I think is pretty, pretty awesome. But, you know, it's a bigger undertaking, especially during this time. And we're really humbled by the, friends and people that took their time to, you know, it's a lot more work to get filmed and record yourselves and get together to play somebody else's songs, you know, so there's going to be a pretty, really cool mix of people that are putting their fingerprint on our tunes and playing them the way that they play them, and we purposely haven't paid attention to any of that, because I want to see it just like everybody else tonight. Like, I don't... Yeah, me too. I, I want to watch it like that. You know, we know what we did. We we decided to take part in it, so we went in and uh, everybody came back up to Seattle, and we filmed at the museum and, and played two songs live, and they filmed it. And then... Uh, so I'm really interested to see who else did what and what, what it's all about. You know, I, I think that's kind of cool, because normally in this band we're so hands-on with everything then we micromanage everything that's really kind of a rare opportunity to just 
look at it like, what the hell is happening? You know? <laughs> Pretty well, cool lineup, you know, Metallica, Billy Corgan, you got uh, Corey Taylor, Ann Wilson, Nancy Wilson, David Nav- Dave Navarro, Chris Cheney, the Mastodon dudes, Lanigan, Novoselic, the Soundgarden dudes, a couple of, we got Pearl Jam, Dallas Green, God, it's Shooter Jennings. I mean, it's just, corn. it's going to be fun. Yeah, corn. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, you know, we, that was our concern because they, uh, over the last several years, they've been like, hey, you know, I want to give you this award. And we're like, cool. But we would be touring or we're in Europe, you know, like the, the timing didn't work out. And so this year we were going to be taking a year off at least and not touring or doing anything. So we're like, okay, we'll do this. This is the year to do it. Then COVID hits, you know. So we're like, well, that's over. And then yeah, they really stepped up. And, you know, it took a lot of people to really get creative to try to figure out how to, it really did. Do, how to do this. And it takes a tremendous amount of work so to pull this off. And I'm, I'm just so glad that all our friends, you know, t- Hawkins and all the Macedon guys and everybody, Jerry Manchin, actually took the time to, in this crazy time to record and being filmed in awkward, you know, together, not together, remotely. I mean, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Fishbones in there. That's just going to be, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be some crazy <laughs> ass shit. Hey, Jerry, let me I mean, ask you, let, Jerry, let me ask you about somebody on this artist roster who my audience and I was really, this, this is the guy that seems to only come out if it's Jerry Cantrell or Allison Chains related. Otherwise, he seems to be like seeing a unicorn in the rock community. And he's very missed, and people would love to see him do stuff. But I was thrilled when I saw Chris DeGarmo on here. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, to my knowledge, outside of doing some stuff with you and with the band here and there and guest appearances, I mean, Chris has been largely out of music, right? Well, he's uh, he's a he's a pilot, man. He's a badass pilot. Uh, so him and Bruce Dickinson are ruling the skies. <laughs> uh, but he's still he's he's still a great musician. He he's, he does some really great stuff with his daughter, and uh, uh, he played on our last record, you know. And uh, we've we've got a long friendship with him. And Queensrÿche means a lot to us, you know. Look, they're 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 some of our kind of first musical heroes to look up to, you know, uh, that were close to our, our generation. Like, wow, man, those guys are from here, you know, badass, you know, and, uh, um, it's, it's like Sean said, it, it's an, it's an honor that all of these people stepped up. There are friends and, and, you know, there are friends, there are peers and there are heroes, all of these guys, you know, guys and gals. And, uh, uh, it's just a cool thing I'm, I'm so honored and humbled that everybody put the work in jason the director of all of all the all the uh you know all, all the clips and the, the other goofy stuff we did it's gonna be fun to watch yeah i'll tell you yeah. I, I just got excited about DeGarmo because of all these artists on here including the special appearance people which we didn't even touch on i know about 90 percent of them and i'm a huge fan of all of them but DeGarmo is a guy i don't know he's been out of Queensryche for a long time I'm a huge fan, and I just thought when his name popped up on here, I'm like, damn, that's so cool, because that's a guy that if you're you know, a fan of that stuff, you just don't see or hear from all the time doing things like this. you got, so- you got to know how to lure the, the unicorn out of the woods. <laughs> you know, Sean yeah. and I, we, uh, it's taken a lot of years to be able to you know, coax him out, and you can't get him all the time. But, you're you the know, only guys that can do while. it. Yeah, you're the only guys <laughs> that can do it. Yeah, well, you know. He's up here. We have a long history. He's one of our dearest, closest friends, and he's yeah. just such a, an amazing per- human on every level. Kind of 
you know, he's tough to be around. It's like, really, you're great at everything like that, and you're super nice, and, uh, you know, it's like, great cool, Chris, whatever. But then, but then he's such an amazing great. talent and uh, yeah. such a such a sweetheart of a, of a man and a genuine, just, you know, humble, huge heart person. And, uh, you know, so when Lily Silver, Susan, our manager, and, and uh, Chris Cornell's daughter – is is going to perform one of our songs for the first time ever and in on film and in public and Chris you know accompanies her so it it's really special above the fact that you know it's Chris and then it's you know Lily it's just really yeah. going to be it's going to be a that's going to be a it's going to be a fucking wet wipe tissue moment if sure. I have to you know if, <laughs> when I get to that part that's the one part I'm looking forward to and dreading at the same time because like okay you know this is going to be a tough one but um no man it, i'm i'm looking it'll be cool i mean i think people might have sent in little attaboys you know like hey good job you snap aheads and whatever the hell they say you know so who knows what's going to go on in there i'm kind of looking forward to it well you know you brought up an in- you brought up an interesting point about this too i don't remember if it was jerry or sean which one of you guys said this but it it sucks that this is all virtual because of uh, obviously you'd be getting ready I'm sure to go to this and fans and attended and the event that it is but on the other end of it because this year is so as you perfectly put it fucked up um everybody's available so like it's yeah. not like you know when we there was a reach out for this is like well I'm I'm on tour I can't do it so everybody is streaming and banking stuff and recording stuff so I would think that that made uh, not to say a lot of these artists wouldn't want to do this anyway for you guys but I would think that made the availability factor and the access factor way easier to do it this way there you saw that a little bit with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too there have been some things that have been a byproduct of COVID, the way they've changed, where some people have actually liked it better. So, I, I mean, I don't know how that all worked, but is everything for this has been completely pre-produced? This is a pre-produced package that people will see. It's all done. There's no live element of it's it all, tonight, right? It's no, all it's done. It was a live. Uh, it, it, you know, it was a live thing, like Sean said, and it was a very small group. It was a very. Uh, it normally is an intimate thing. So, you know, in uh, you you mentioned one positive thing about a negative situation which is you know uh so many folks were available to 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 do something and and to give their time and add performances and to be be part of it but and also the way that this is being put together you know millions of people can see this thing whereas before it'd be a couple hundred you know so it's going to be fun it also opens up the uh the charitable uh aspect of this to a wider audience too so to give back to the museum you know so uh it's you know there's there's a couple of really good elements about a bad thing and i think that's a that's a good good lesson to to take you know yeah i mean we're trying to make make some lemonade out of the lemons man yeah and when we got into talking about doing trying to pull it off this way the concern was you know there's a lot of like octobox quarantine jam stuff going on and we were, we wanted to try to avoid that and try to make an actual higher product higher production show out of it if we can you know some people are you know self-filming i think you know so depending on where they are there's people that are in different countries or you know so um and i think that's cool it'll have a different feel and a different look for different performances but 
you know, we like Jerry said, Jason came in, a director who did the Macmore videos and has done all this other stuff, and he ran with it and, and jumped in and took his time and was trying to cobble yeah, it together. Did. And, and uh, so I think, you know, production-wise, like our thing, you know, is live. We're playing, we're playing live, but they, uh, all the cameras and stuff, you know, we've been around a minute, you know, we made a lot of videos, show a lot of TV show stuff, and usually there's people walking around with cameras. This is all remote, you know, the skeleton crew with, like, little remote cars driving around with cameras on them and, and booms <laughs> that are computer-operated and stuff. You know, it's like, it's really semi-bizarre, like, to do it this way. And you got you know, all these other people that take the time to do that. It seems like, yes, there's a lot of people probably at home, but not a lot of people with that can record them, get recorded, so it sounds good. You know, they're all professional musicians. They don't want to sound like ass. Sure. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and be able to represent, you know, what their vision of the song is, the way they want, and then be able to film it where they don't look stupid. You know, I mean, they're entertainment professionals, so... To, it's it's a higher level than you know. Hey, it's a quarantine jam. You know, <laughs> it's just right. a little. It's gonna. It's probably gonna have a little higher production value than that. And that's kind of something that we originally thought. You know, because you know, if we're gonna do this thing, let's try to make it as cool as possible. And that was the concern. You know, like who who can do this? Who can pull it off? And so we, you know, reached out to some people, and uh, we're just overwhelmed by how many people just found a, the will and the way to do it you know take on that part yep. of themselves and be like yeah we'll do it we're like jesus christ thanks you know so um you know we'll see maybe it'll suck what if we watch it and it sucks <laughs> I mean, you know there's, there's always that you know you're like oh this could be red you're like oh this sucked so i'm pretty sure it won't because i think somebody would have tried to tip us off by now since it's later today that they're gonna be like hey you guys be prepared for the thing maybe it's not so <laughs> By the way, it blows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> prepare for some so weird calls. Don't answer your phones for a few days. Uh, you know. So you guys know. That, you guys know nothing. That, so. Neither. Neither of you guys know nothing. Like you haven't seen it. You. You said mm-hmm. you got distance know, from it. We, you don't we know, know anything. We know the. We know the bare minimum. We've seen a little bit of sniglets of what what folks have sent in, and you know I think Sean and I are, were, you know we're we're we're. we're as much as we are two individuals, we're really a lot alike. So, like, I think we both had the same kind of feeling of like, you know, kind of kind of like want to want to be surprised by it yourself, you know. And uh, instead of like doing it like any uh, all the normal Alice stuff, where we're we're knee deep in at it all the way to the end, you know, every single detail. But uh, so it's kind of cool. It's, I'm excited. It's a surprise. We we kept ourselves mostly in the dark, you know, a little bit. Uh, Shielded from what's going on, and I and, and I, I'm gonna I'm looking forward to to uh, a really meaningful and humbling and fun thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing I would take part in is like, okay, making sure the the ad map thing is looks right, you know, <laughs> and and then we, you know, I, uh, made them send us our thing, you know, because we have to make sure we didn't sound like shit and okay. didn't look didn't look yeah. stupid. You know, so our performance part, we, you know, we all weighed in and agreed, you know, like, okay, cool. You know, all four dudes are cool with it. And, uh, you know, make a tweak here and there, like, hey, cut to the camera, you know. Try not to focus on my goiter too much, really, <laughs> you know. Just like, hey, a little more me, a little less goiter. But um, Camera a little higher, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shooting from low up, not so great. 
But um, for guys, you know, such a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for that, for that trust kinda, me, I know. You know, yeah, we did. I mean, we did. That's about all I've seen. I haven't really, you know, paid attention to anything else. I know some people uh, sent a few things. Dallas Green, and I did see. I, I'm not going to lie. I watched his. It was killer. But yeah, that was. Really I, I did see Dallas. I, the one, one of the ones I did see. It's pretty yeah. bone chilling. Yeah. 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 And so. Um, and after I did that, I was like, okay, I need to, uh, that's when I, that's when I kind of realized I was earlier in the process, you know, he's pretty quick to get his thing done and send it out. And, and I was just kind of, I think that's sort of where I was like, I don't want to see anymore. You know, I I want to, I want to, yeah. I want to be surprised because this just blew my fucking brain out. And I need something <laughs> to look forward to while I'm stuck in my house with my dog and three koi fish fucking locked down. And you call know? of duty I mean, at night with me. What do I have to look forward to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody can watch this six Pacific, nine Eastern tonight, and it's totally free. Although it is a donate situation, which of course, if people can are in a position, even a buck or two, it, it helps. And you know, we've seen that model work. I mean, a lot of people are ticketing their streams now, but for the really big artists with the really big name value, and you've got not only yourselves but obviously the people that are paying tribute to you, massive acts doing it. It creates so much so much traffic when it's wide open. Every Everybody, that that usually generates a lot of money. So let's hope that's the case tonight, because uh, if be you nice. go to the website, you can donate. And the website is mopop.org for all the information about this, mopop.org. And you can see it's on the Facebook page. It's Amazon Music Twitch channel. It's Amazon Music app. It's completely free to watch it. And then, obviously, if you can help out the museum, kick in a buck or two or whatever you can afford, that would be great. Guys, do you know if it's going to be archived? So if people listening can't uh, watch it in that time window of 9 Eastern tonight, will they be able to watch it a few hours later on demand? I assume uh, we live in a digital age. And I will guarantee it will be on YouTube and all over the place for the rest of our lives for (laughs) all of time as long as there's electricity um that seems to be how things work no matter what you do somebody takes it and puts it puts it there so i'm i'm you know this as it's as the first play through mopop and everything i think it'll be there maybe they'll i'm not sure maybe they'll leave it up for a bit you know for people to come back and watch it but i'm sure it'll get recorded and dumped right on youtube and everywhere else by i think somebody sent me a sent me a Mopop page where they had past performances that you could pull up song by song, so I would assume this would be the same. All right. Hey, before I let you go, Jerry, uh, any update you can give on, uh, you know, on what you guys, have you been able to work on Alice in Chains music during lockdown? Have you have you guys gotten together? Are you doing anything virtually as far as recording? Well, like, like Sean said, we, we, <laughs> we, we we actually planned on taking a year off. We we uh, this 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 kind of thing that happened to us all kind of hit a window where we planned on being off. So um, we're just waiting to see how this pans out and plays out. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are affected. We we are, we're we're pretty blessed and and lucky to 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 you know where we are while we're all weathering this together. Um, but as you know, uh, you know we're part of a community that relies on getting people together to to work and have fun you know so uh we're just we're just seeing how this all plays out you know and uh hopeful hopeful for the vaccines and and uh we don't want to we don't want to 
go back to work until it's safe to work, and I don't think anybody will. So I'm kind of thinking we're going to be off again for about another year, you know, so. Yeah. So you guys aren't yeah. the kind of band that would record and pass files around, and you do see bands making records like that because of the quarantine. Or some people going in and getting tested and actually going into studios. As far as creating new stuff, you'd rather just wait till things are back to normal. No, we just haven't talked well, about it. We were, we were just kind of planning on taking a year off, and Jerry was going to do it. He had a he had a, a solo thing he wanted to do. Will was going to go do his thing, and was starting up on that. And so there was kind of a plan to take this time off and people to go do whatever they wanted to do, you know, do their own deal. And then, and then everything just kind of shut down. Jumped, so we're just, yeah, this kind of jumped up just... and shut those things down to a degree. And so we haven't really had a discussion of if, when, where, what, why, but I would assume probably just by point. Yeah. Uh, yeah by, by odds that, you know, like Jerry said, I don't think this, we're going to magically be okay to go back and everybody get back to the, life they've had before within the next year maybe by this time next year you know if there's enough vaccine and stuff i mean we're our our entertain our industry as you know i mean is completely existent upon people having disposable income a little extra dough to buy a ticket or something to go see something and then cramming as many people as you can as close to each (laughs) other into whatever size venue you can fill with people (laughs) over packets so it is the worst situation, probably, of anything. To in and it's like it's, in a, like, it's like the small the, the small club, the small club owners, the the crews. I mean, there's so many people yeah, that I are know. in this business that that are really just they got nothing, man. And it's uh, it's 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 uh, you know something where that uh, we're looking forward to getting through. But in the meantime, like a lot of people that you don't see besides the artists that that prop up and. And make sure that we are able to do what we do. Those people are taking it, taking it in the teeth, man. You know. Yeah. Now I talk about it all the time on this show, and we can only hope that we're on the other side of it uh, sooner than later. I also was blown away recently to realize that the 30th anniversary of Facelift is next year, or or this year, whatever the release date is. But yeah, next yeah, year, next you've got this, the, year. this year. So it's you've got 90. a you got a special deluxe edition coming on this thing that looks incredible. It's coming out uh, next month, right? January? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's coming out next, yeah, this early next year. Yeah, January yep, 29th. We're right on top of things. You know, we're really big on capitalizing and marketing. That's our thing. We're like the kiss of grunge <laughs> band. And so we're on top of everything. And so, you know, we're just right on that 30-year year deal. You know, it's like we never did a yeah. 20. We've just kind of shied away from all the things that you normally and everybody seems to do the 20th anniversary the 25th we're just kind of like nah, <laughs> and then the 30 when it gets to 30 me and jerry kind of like holy shit it's been 30 and it's like you gotta almost kind of do that now a it's great for the fans i don't know you know we have no really valid reason why we didn't do it before but you know at the same time it's like god damn we've been doing this for 35 years together like holy shit you know it's like it's such a such a huge number that you kind of kind of you know you better pay respect to this stuff because you know there's yeah. the people that still care about it so much 30 years later that care about it like we do it's just kind of when another humbling and mind-blowing moment and you know and part of it you're kind of like oh i can remember bits and pieces and i still have some of the same shoes you know but from back then you know i still have a pair of boots that i still wear once in a while from back then but it's uh 
you know, on the flip side, it's 30 years is a long goddamn time. Yeah, you know? well, it should I be mean, commemorated. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. You, you guys mentioned Kiss. Uh, I, I was just thinking that I saw you guys at Tiger Stadium on the first Kiss reunion show open sorry for them. What, I'm, what so, was, I'm sorry about that. Well, what, Jerry, I remember. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because that's coming up on 25 years. But did you not play or the band play like a couple kiss riffs during the breaks in your own songs and people got heated about it i remember you guys playing like do you recall that do you re- what do you remember uh, you know about what? that this is what i recall uh <laughs> there may there may have been a there may have been a riff or two but i think the real thing was when sean decided to come out front and uh and sing beth acapella yeah now, sean is a fantastic drummer he's got a great eye and business sense very artistic but uh and he's not a great singer. He's not a great yeah. singer. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah kind of Roseanne Barda, National Anthem. Beth, and uh, man, you just they get they weren't digging the humor of it. Apparently, the whole stadium, get it. sixty thousand people, yeah. really boo. And it's I really remember. loud when, when, yeah, really loud when they do that, and. I do remember this. And, and, and you know who didn't really like it even more than that was, I guess, Peter, Peter Crisp. <laughs> had a little problem with it. I don't yeah, know. Peter, but, you know. I had some discussions with Peter about that. He was a little bummed. But um, <laughs> there, there was also, they had these really big inflatables of each dude on, the, you know, on like two on each side of the stage. And, uh, and it was the very first show, so there was some technical stuff, you know, that was, it was really magical and great. And then there's like, like anything that big of a, Undertaking, there was some technical stuff where the stuff wasn't working right. But like one of one of the inflatables just must have had a hole in it, and they kept trying to blow it up, and it just <laughs> wilt down. I can't remember which guy it was, and it was there was some there was some amazing stuff that went on on those shows that uh, were pretty fun for us. That could the, the one the one guy's inflatable not blowing up could have derailed the whole reunion tour right at the first show because that guy could have thrown a fit that his inflatable wasn't up and that could have blown up the whole reunion right there. Yeah. I the reason we took the gig was... Stage after us doing our thing, right? I remember Lane also said, you know, because people are all painted like Kiss characters. They wear the makeup and everything. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lane in between songs looks at the audience. He's like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? How come nobody's painted to look like me? Painted their face to look like me. And they're all like, whoa. You know, and then, then I added, I poured a little more gas on the fire by hacking Beth. And, yeah, we probably played, I would assume that there were some riffs of their songs in between. Jerry knows a bunch of Kiss tunes. And, but there after, may have been. Know, after we got done playing, I remember we were leaving the stage, and they were getting ready to go on. And they're all standing there in their monster costumes and everything. And they're like, hey, how was the show? You know, I was kidding. I remember just looking at them because I was in the Kiss Army when I was a kid. You know, like they were, I believe that they were fucking, you know, from space and shit, you know. And, and for, you know, I had a, my brief window when I was young when I was like, oh, my God, you know. And, and uh, yeah. I just, I couldn't handle it. I remember looking at them just going, I can't do this. And then, <laughs> off, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I couldn't absorb it. It's like, huh, what? You're, you're all back into the, you know, it was, it was, it was a pretty cool thing, man. And they were, yeah. they were throwing pretty hard. And then when they went on, on, we went out to the soundboard to watch them. And it was like, it was like being transported, you know, back to being, being that kid. Yeah. And, and it was, it was so cool. You know, it would, yeah. you know, we 
was, it was like the first show, of the first show of the tour, and there, you know, there's a couple of things like Sean said are working out. You know, like usually it takes a takes a couple of gigs to get the band tight and all that. But you know, they, they were good. But you know, the, but uh, 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 you know, I, I remember specifically, and I, remember, I think we all had had the same experience. You know, looking at each other like, fuck, man, this it's like it's like being 11, 12 years old again. You know, yeah. like Jesus. You know, like oh, yeah. When I, when I saw him in the seventies, you know, my sister had to take. It's one of the things. Like, Holy shit! You want to do that? You know, and I'm. We just played in front of him. You know. Yeah, yeah. I remember standing on the chair and being back in high school again, and and loving life, and uh, it was it was quite an experience. Hey guys, I'm I'm almost out of time here, but I appreciate uh, the time, and I congratulate you and the band and 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 all the guys on on this honor tonight. Again, Allison Chains getting the Founders Award, the Museum of Pop Culture. Everybody can tune in and watch it. It's totally free. Nine Eastern, six Pacific. It premieres tonight. Mo Pop's Facebook page, Amazon music's twitch channel amazon music app and uh, the list of artists performing it's a who's who of rock it's going to be amazing so enjoy the the telecast you guys and uh again congrats and i hope i get to see you in person sometime soon yeah man thanks, uh, thanks for having us on eddie anytime guys thank you sean uh kenny jerry cantrell uh hope to see you guys soon take care okay right bye. awesome see you bye-bye well thanks to stone I'm sorry. <laughs> thanks to Jerry and thanks to Sean of Allison Chains and congratulations to them on their Founders Award at Mopop. Again, it's online now if you'd like to see it on various different outlets. All right, we'll come back and then we'll get to Stone and drummer Matt Chamberlain as we continue on this week's podcast. Hey, this is JJ French. Through five decades in the music industry, having sold over 20 million records, performed over 9,000 shows, and receiving 37 gold and platinum albums as a musician, manager, and record producer. I'm also an author, motivational speaker, marathon runner, inducted into the Long Island Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, guitar collector, and a founding member of a little band you may have heard of called Twisted Sister. Now I'm ready to share the secrets of my survival in one of the most vicious and predatory businesses on earth, the music business. In my new podcast, The French Connection, the music business and beyond on podcast one get ready to hear real inside stories from me and my famous guests as they tell you how it's really done not just in the music industry either i guarantee that you will always learn something unexpected from successful survivors from many walks of life that's the beyond part that i'm so excited about don't miss the french connection the music business and beyond with me jj french tuesdays on podcast one spotify and apple podcasts Eddie Trunk back with you. Two interviews for you this week. Our second is with Stone Gossard, who you know best as the guitarist in Pearl Jam. Stone joins us to talk about another band he's doing on the side with drummer Matt Chamberlain, who joins the conversation about halfway through. Have a listen. Here's Stone Gossard on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Joining me right now is Stone Gossard. Stone, good to have you on and good to meet you, man. How you doing? Nice to meet you too, Eddie, and thanks for having me. I think I uh, was, we're going to be joined by Matt Chamberlain, who plays drums and Painted Shield. But I just saw a text from him saying his his internet's hotspot went down, so he's scrambling with something. Oh, but maybe we'll oh. maybe he'll show up. Hopefully, he makes it in, and when he does, we will uh, we will welcome him in. You know, in the last hour, I was just raging. Uh, Why well, I said I had to calm down is I was raging with my audience the last couple of days about some of these award shows and the Grammys and these these. Uh, organizations which it's, they so blatantly don't have a, a clue about rock music and these random awards that are given out. 
not to put you on the spot here, but Pearl Jam's won a lot of awards in your history and your career. But what's your take on all that? How do you feel about it? Do you do you do you ever go into? You don't have to name names, but do you ever go into these some of these things where you feel like, oh, I'm just sort of the we're sort of the token rock band being represented here? Um, I can be cynical. There's no question about it. You know, there's there's you know some of the organizations there they they can be self serving, but you know organizations just tend to be self serving. That's just their nature in general. You know, you start something and it and it uh, and it may have uh, the best intentions of why it was started or how it was started, and then uh, you know the focus can narrow down to the things that the people in management sort of want to uh, cover. So you know the Grammys or all that. I mean. There's, you know, certainly there's a lot of things about the Grammys that are great. And, uh, you know, I, I know that they've represented some incredible music um, and they've probably done their best. But um, I, I don't take the award show stuff too seriously. I, I think it would be great if there was a really great uh, rock and hard rock award yeah. show uh, exclusively. Yeah. I think yeah, I think you should start it. I think it would be I'll back it up. I'll say <laughs> yes. Well, Stone, you know what? I mean, people, you're not the first person who said that over the decades, but it's a little easier said than done. But man, is it is it needed now more than ever when you see what went on with the American Music Awards the other day and and now the Grammy nominations when it comes to rock and metal? It's it's sickening, but I'm not going to pull you down that rabbit hole. Before we get into talking about Painted Shield, let me ask you this. So I was telling you just before we came on the air that you're you're uh your guitar partner in Pearl Jam, Mike McCready, is a good friend, has been on my shows for years. And our bond is not only over, you know, love of music, but he and I both grew up huge fans of Kiss and UFO. And that's how we first got to know each other and uh, have a passion for that stuff. Are you cut from the same cloth as, as Mike in terms of your influences and the stuff you were into earlier as a kid? You know, I, I think he was always more dedicated to hard rock. I mean, in a certain way, sort of, I, he probably turned me on to Kiss and uh, probably, you know, and I probably got into Kiss late. I got into Kiss when they were kind of terrible and because did, I didn't, I didn't, I was too old or too young to get into them when they were really great. And then sort of as they sort of, you know, uh, were trying to, you know, unmasked era, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I'd I missed him. I just didn't get it. But it wasn't until I was starting to kind of listen to punk rock and stuff like that, that, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah. And by the way, Old Kiss and Alice Cooper and, you know, and, and Iggy Pop and uh, all these bands from the early 70s that were pretty wild um, were suddenly kind of being talked about in the same sentences as, you know, uh, the Dead Kennedys or, you know, or, you know, whatever, um, and, you know, Motorhead. Um, Iron Maiden, you know, that sort of, you know, that genre or whatever. So uh, Michael Creedy's always had much more knowledge. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a little bit of a latecomer, but I do love hard rock and I always have. So, well, you're not the only one who lo- who 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 uh, didn't get the unmasked era, which you reference. Yeah. I mean, there were, that was not that's not an a, a, a not a, a unique position to be in. Although, but, cre- but creatures of the night, I was back. I was said yes. Oh, yeah. I said you know. So I, you know, I was in at that point, but right. love the, you know, Kiss Alive is 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 just so good. I mean, it's just, you know, you can't deny Kiss's prowess. You just can't. You can you can complain about them, but you just can't deny their prowess. <laughs> well, you know, you and and Mike has a UFO tribute band. Were you on the UFO kick at all? Did he get you into UFO at all? Uh, no, I always loved I loved UFO from back in the day, and uh, he probably helped get me into it. 
but uh you know strange you know strange as the night or whatever lights out that era oh. is like it's it's a it's beyond you know the the musicianship and the songwriting and michael shanker and talking about why did michael shanker leave and what did he do <laughs> after and like how he should have stayed and so uh, we're trying not to make, you know, I hope Mike doesn't quit because we don't want our Michael Shanker to leave us. That's that would be a mis- that would be terrible <laughs> for, for and sure. start MSG group or whatever it is that he was in. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Painted Shields. Um, this is a, a really interesting band and I guess project, for lack of a better term. You you actually first uh, in, uh, introduced some music from this band a song or two a while back and then it seemingly the fans kind of sat for a bit and now you've got a full-length record coming on friday correct uh, that's right yeah i think friday's the day it comes and uh mason and i mason jennings is a singer and a songwriter and a fantastic solo artist and has been making records for quite a while and he was uh his manager at the time who's an old friend of mine introduced us and uh uh said you know Mason was interested in doing some collaborative writing and I've got demos for days. You know, I've got piles of songs that um, I write and I sent him a few things. And the first thing he did was write knife fight. So I sent him the music for knife fight and he sent me that back the the track as is, and it it basically how it sounds now. Um, And uh, so we were kind of off and running and then it kind of, you know, reality set in and, you know, uh, life got between, you know, us and finishing some stuff and some of the other songs took a little bit more work to kind of get done. And we took a couple of years where we didn't really talk to each other that much. And then we ended up, uh, sort of kind of revitalizing it and kind of going, okay, well, let's, we had these songs, what should we do? And over the last three years, we just kind of knocked it out. And, um, and, it, and I think we, I'm glad we took the time with it. You know, having Matt um, Chamberlain write songs and be part of it was an enormous boost. Uh, Brittany Davis, who's the keyboard player, and she also sings a lot of uh, the harmony and backgrounds on the on the record, really adds another dimension. Her keyboard playing is, you know, amazing. And then, uh, John Congleton, who's the mixer, uh, fantastic mixer, we turned the record over to him and said, you know, treat it like you're in the band. John Congleton just, you know, turned stuff off and turned stuff up and edited and did a bunch of stuff to it. And uh, we were like, great. Yes, we like it. So uh, it was a it was a a sort of a fun, uh, pretty open process of of just seeing what it takes to put songs together that that you don't know the parts, how it's all going to fit together. And you got to kind of make it up and see, see if it see if it works. You, you mentioned that it was revitalized after you put out Knife Fight uh, recently. Was that being, was the band and the record being revitalized due to the pandemic? Was it the fact that no, I mean, you guys no. put out Gigaton, Pearl Jam, and then all of a sudden you can't do much with it because of the pandemic? Was it that the opportunity to revisit? Well, no? I think we were pretty close to the end zone with Painted Shield at that point. And uh, the, so the pandemic did sort of kind of get us across the finish line in terms of the mixing and um I see Matt now. Uh, hi, Matt. How's Matt Chamberlain. Uh, Matt Woo! actually wrote. Trummer Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt wrote the last song on uh, on Painted Shield called I Am Your Country, and that was only about six months ago. So uh, he added a couple of tracks to the, the record to flesh out the whole record uh, right at the last minute. So we were finishing stuff in COVID, but uh, about 90% of it was done before that. So it was parallel with Gigaton. We were doing some stuff, and the Gigaton would go, you know. Pearl Jam was off and on through that whole 
you know, it took us four years to make that record. So, um, and it's only, you know, 50 minutes of music. So four years, 50 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Was it rough to have Gigaton come out and then not be able to see it through with plans you may have had for, for supporting it because of the pandemic? I mean, a little, I mean, I think everyone was disappointed, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, we're going to, you know, we'll be, we'll, we'll play shows again. We're going to play these songs. It's all going to work out. You know, we just, it's kind of delayed gratification. Um, It was a little frustrating in the sense that we'd already rehearsed and kind of like, this is sounding good. This is going to be great. We're excited. And, uh, and then it sort of, you know, um, it was taking it right up to the moment before we knew that we weren't going. And, uh, and then it was, um, and then we've been here ever since in our houses with funny hats and sweatpants <laughs> and sweaters. That's a Mike McCready joke, by the way. If you have sweatpants and sweater, then you've really given up because <laughs> what, are you, what are, you, are you trying to make it look nice up top, but then sweatpants? And then it's like, I put terrible. on a blazer. I put a blazer on for this. Yeah, See? Matt looks yeah. Matt looks by far the most <laughs> professional of the three of us. I mean, I'm in a hoodie and unshaven, yeah. but Matt looks like he's a talk show host. He looks proper. Yeah, but he's, he doesn't have any pants on. I don't have any no. pants on. So. <laughs> well, as long as you're not like that guy on CNN who got busted uh, playing with himself oh, during yeah. a Zoom call, you're all good. <laughs> Holy I mean, shit. But, I mean, but for the grace of God, I mean, every person can kind of go, I haven't ever done that specifically, but I've done something that could have been interpreted as that. And, and I left my zoom on and that would be. Hey, hey, Matt, we, before you joined in, we were talking to stone and of course, everybody knows stone's background with Pearl jam and all that. But for you, you've played with some interesting people and have a pretty uh, storied history as well as a drummer, whether it be live stuff and session stuff, but for people that aren't familiar with your work, can you can you give the Reader's Digest version of your story as a drummer and a musician? Um, I started off uh, playing in bands in uh, Texas, where I was going to college. And my first band was uh, with Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. You remember that? Of course, yeah. And uh, yeah, and um, then, you know, we broke up and then I was kind of a free agent after that and just started playing with lots of different people and started getting called to do records. And uh, then I got called to play with Pearl Jam for a little bit around that time. And it was great uh, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like 1990, you know, 1989, 90. Um, And then uh, lived in New York for a year or so and then moved to Seattle to uh, continue my, my, uh, explorations and in, in music and, and just being a, a freak because it was easy to be a freak in Seattle back then. It was affordable to live there. And so but Matt's um, played with everyone. I mean, he's, he's played on Bowie records and Fiona Apple records and tours, Peter Gabriel. Did you, did you tour with Dylan? Well, did I read Bob. you toured with Dylan too? He's Bob Dylan's drummer yeah, right now. He played on the record. Oh, wow. Yeah, we just did a tour at the end, uh, like a year ago, exactly. We were on the road, and then we did the new record at the top of the year. Um, yeah, and now what's it? What's it like 50, to, sh- 50 shows is uh, a Soundgarden's drummer, too. Well, what's it like to work with Dylan? I like Stone. Just why don't you explain what I've, I've done, Stone? <laughs> He's love, amazing. Love He's the greatest. I mean, the resume is unbelievable. What? It, let me ask you. I want to give me some. Tell me what it's like to work with Dylan, and what it's like to work when you, the, the late great David Bowie. What were those experiences like? Or Dylan, you're still doing, um, of course. 
Yeah, well, the Dylan thing was, uh, you know, the tour was very last minute. I played with him for a couple of days and he wanted me to tour. Like literally it was like a three day window and he asked me to hop on this tour. And so we did like six weeks and then got back. And after the first of the year, we started his record. And that was an education because he is so last minute in the moment about the way he makes his records. It's almost like a playing with a, with, with a jazz musician or a, a poet jazz musician. Cause he's just always, changing it up and it's just anything could happen at any time you know things could just get trashed and we could do a whole new version of a song and um he's he's amazing i mean you know he's bob dylan so um, he just come he, he came in with just lyric sheets right though so he's got the lyrics much. kind of yeah. sketched out and then he just he'll just start playing right and kind of maybe he has some chords and maybe they change and you kind of play yeah for he a while. might have like yeah he might have like a reference point for like a groove or a feel or something and then we, we just kind of jam on that and he'll start trying to sing over it. And then we'll, he'll get on the piano and like add some extra chords and we'll just kind of work out the arrangement. And, uh, and then next thing you know, we've tracked a song, you know, it's, it's pretty it's fun with best. him. Yeah. And then Bowie, the Bowie thing was very interesting because it was just him and I and Tony Visconti, the producer. And sure. um, Tony was playing bass and every day, you know, we we were at this studio that was in the Catskills. So it was like one of those residential studios where there's nothing to do but just be there. And um, every day Bowie would wake up because his kid was there. He had like a, a newborn baby at the at the time. This was like night uh, 2001, I think. And uh, he would he'd wake up with his kid and then start writing a song. And, you know, I would I would scraggle in around 11 ish. And he'd have like a basic idea down and then I'd put drums on it and Tony would play bass. Um, and we just did that every day for like two weeks. Um, and what you know, record was that? that? What's that? What record was that? Did that come out? Uh, it came out as, as Heathen, a record called Heathen and a record after that called Reality. So we, we tracked a lot of music. So the music that didn't work for Heathen that he didn't finish, he used on Reality. Um, yeah, I mean, he's also, he was also very last minute and, um, just was coming up with stuff on the spot. You know, you would think that he'd have all this stuff pre-planned, but it was always, at least to me, it seemed like it was on the spot. Maybe he had all this stuff in his back pocket and he, you know, I, I don't know, but it seemed like it was all very, uh, in the, in the moment. It's an amazing... seems to be the case for a lot of these guys from this era that I've experienced because, I've also done stuff with Elton John and he was the same way. Like Bernie Taupin would hand him some lyrics and within a half hour, he'd have a song written and then we'd start recording it. Yeah. Crazy. It must be something about that spontaneity. And of course, for many of those guys, they go back to the days when studios were really expensive to be in. And if you had a lockout in a studio and you were in there for a long time to write in the studio could be really expensive. But then again, with their history and their resumes, they're able to do that. I mean, they're used to that. Now it's not such a big factor because most of these folks have their own studios or what have you. But you think about, right. you know, back in the day, the way it was done to write and do pre-production in a recording studio could be a really expensive proposition. Yeah. Yeah. Back then it was a big deal. Um, but uh, it just seems like their attitude, I'm talking, you know, like the, the Dillons and the Bowies, like, just their general attitude towards making a record seems so free and um, 
open and maybe it's because they had done so many records at the point that I'd worked with them. But, uh, you know, I don't know what they were like earlier on in their career, but it just seems so um, like they're ready to try anything. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Drummer Matt Chamberlain and guitarist Stone Gossard together. They have a band called Painted Shield. The full length debut album is coming out on Friday. So, let me bring it back to you here, Stone. For you, uh, what what are the things that you were most looking forward to doing with a band like Painted Shield? You said you write all the time. What what were you uh, looking to accomplish with this band that you maybe couldn't bring to Pearl Jam or couldn't do in Pearl Jam? Just the volume of music you write, was there just stuff that you knew wasn't going to be the right fit for that band? I think it's just, I think it's just doing creative projects. I love, I love, you know, writing songs and I like finishing them and some, you know, Pearl Jam has got five writers in it and we put a record out every, you know, three or four years. So it's, you know, there's opportunities to do stuff outside of that. Um, I didn't have an idea of what it, we knew Knife Fight sounded good to us right off the bat, but we didn't know like what the rest of the record should sound like. So um, I just threw some ideas at Mason. That was kind of the variety of stuff that I kind of write. And, and he kept kind of bouncing stuff back that sounded good to me. Um, and then towards the end of it, we knew that, okay, that's a lot of you two. Um, and now how can we make it feel like a real band? And I think that's where we started really, you know, um, communicating more with Matt and saying, one, Matt, do you want to be part of this? And two, do you have any songs? Cause Matt's an incredible songwriter, arranger, you know, player as well. And, um, uh, coaxing some tracks out of him turned out to be the best thing that we did because he wrote our first single. It was the last thing we wrote and the first song we put out. And um, he's uh, he's uh, played us a few more since then. And so we're already working on record number two with some of Matt's tracks. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's just been fun to add on uh, the layers that really sort of make it uh, original uh, towards the end. And I think Brittany Davis is the same. It's like, her voice and Matt's uh, songwriting and his and his playing really sort of made it a three-legged stool rather than a two-legged stool. And, it's a fun and, way to make a record too, because it's just we're just throwing ideas back and forth, and we can record them. So it's not like we're just in a rehearsal space and you try stuff and it just goes into the air. Like this, we can actually lay it down on the hard drive or whatever, and then just send the idea around, and then it gets worked on. It's it's actually really creative it feels and time and time um, saving too because it's yeah we, we can kind of do it and you get an email and, and maybe you'll listen to it this week but then you when you hear it the next week when you actually have time you're like oh my god this is great i gotta get something down on this so it's it's been a fun fun process yeah. well during the although during, it would be nice to oh sorry it, it no, would no, be nice to play together with everybody eventually oh we're, we're <laughs> definitely gonna do that well, that, yeah, that's sure. what I was going to ask you about, because during the commercial break, Matt gave us a little tour of his studio in L.A., which has all kinds of cool drums and everything going on. So obviously you guys are all you all have your own schedules. Matt, you play with a bunch of people, uh, you know, St- Stone in normal times, Pearl Jam stuff going on. But were, when you made this record, were you able to all get in the same place at the same time to do it? Or was it passing around files and a lot of emails and, and that sort of vibe? We've all, we've never been in the same room together. Mason and I have been in the same room together once, but other than that, and Matt and I recorded a couple of the dem a couple of the demos that ended up being on the record. We recorded together at Studio Litho, but like ten years ago, like at least. I mean, maybe even more. Um, oh, that so, was like in 
I think that was 2014 because I remember being on the road with Soundgarden and I had a break and I went up to okay. Seattle and we tracked a bunch okay. of stuff. Yeah, it does so seem like 10 sense. years ago, but that was like so. I, when Matt's in Seattle, I always get to, I try to get together with him. When we usually try to get in the studio, and I always have a couple of things that we'll play together, and then they just go on a hard drive, and then normally nothing happens. So as I was <laughs> looking back through my files, I'm like, oh, there's this and this, and this has Matt on it, and this is cool, and. And, you know, usually just the guitar and a, and, a, and a drum track or maybe it's got one little thing. And um, we Mason and I just kept bouncing back ideas and he just kept coming up with this great stuff. And and we kept plugging through it. But it wasn't an instant process. It was definitely um, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, kind of figuring it out. We didn't know that it was going to be a record, you know, it until really right towards the end. And we didn't know what it was going to sound like. The sound of the whole thing changed dramatically in the last six months. So it's really Especially just with, a uh, fun, like creative Congleton. circus, you know, something to do. Yeah. yeah. And John Congleton's addition to when he was mixing, like with the arrangements and adding some electronics here and there. And oh, yeah. That's yeah. changed stuff. Unbelievable. It's a very uh, it's a very eclectic uh, record. There's a lot of different things on it. There's a lot of different sounds on it, and then you've got a track like "Evil Winds," which is you know bla- you know great, one of my favorites. You know on the record, um, is that what you were going for, Stone, as a guitar player to show a lot of different sides of your playing? Are you a guitar nerd that loves getting into effects and different tones and things like that? Like, wh- where were you going as a guitar player with this? Uh, you know, I tend to be, I like, I'm, my guitar playing is a lot like finger painting and playing in the sandbox. It's, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just kind of trying different things. And just, if I stumble onto something that I get excited about, I'm, I've got a pretty good capacity to kind of remember it and, you know, store it so I can bring it out for a rainy day. And Evil Winds is a riff that, uh, I wrote probably again, at least 12 years ago, maybe the oldest riff on the whole thing. Um, and I kind of had a demo of it that floated around and it just, nothing ever happened with it. And I, I played it for, uh, Mason and, uh, we worked through it a couple of different vocal approaches. And then, um, you know, when Brittany Davis got a hold of it, she really is kind of co-singing that whole song with him, um, and playing the B3 on it and really giving it that even heavier kind of blues, um, you know, feel. Um, I'm glad you like that one, Eddie. That's one of my favorite ones too. It's a, it's one of my favorite riffs on the, on the record. And if you can tell us, do you have some guests on this record? Do you, you brought in some different people oh, to yeah. play on some stuff? Can yeah. you run those down for everybody? Yeah. Uh, Josh Freeze plays drums on, I think three of the tracks. So he's phenomenal and lovely and always like working with him. Um, uh, Hans Teuber, a Seattle saxophonist, uh, flute player, like great. Uh, Jeff Fielder, uh, guitar player here in Seattle, he plays on uh, he plays that sitar solo on Knife Fight that's so wicked. Um, uh, uh, Lonnie Marshall plays bass on uh, Ten Years from Now, which is uh, Lonnie Marshall played in the Weapon of Choice and is a loose old school loose groove uh, um, uh, band guy with uh, with his music. Um, so there, there's definitely there's definitely some some good guests. And did I read correctly that McCready is actually on a track on the record? Oh yeah. McCready plays a solo on, uh, on the level. And he also plays a solo on evil winds. That's his slide solo on evil winds. Oh, nice. Okay. Very, yeah. very and, cool. And Jeff, and Jeff plays bass on, on the level as well. 
So uh, do you guys, I mean, it's the same old uh, story for every band I interview. The idea would be to, I'm sure you'd love to be able to go out and play some of this live with the record coming out on Friday. Uh, Nobody knows when live shows can come back, although there are pretty strong indicators and we're starting to see stuff go on sale for towards the back end of the summer, even in the middle of next summer. What what would what would your ideal situation be, especially, you know, Matt, given your schedule and the different people you work with, Stone, given what may or may not be coming for Pearl Jam, how would you like to balance this? And do you, do you think when the pandemic clears, you could effectively go out and tour it and play it live? We're going to I think we're going to play in the parking lots of the sh- where Matt's playing with Dylan. We'll play at noon <laughs> that day in the parking lots. So. And then, so Matt will have to do double duty, and it let me so I can go. But I like I'm ready. to go to bed early, so I'm ready. It's fine. I don't. I don't want to play at eight o'clock. Poof, too late. <laughs> when do you think? <laughs> when do you think we'll we'll hit the road, man? Twenty twenty two. I would love to get two weeks worth of shows in sometime uh, next year, maybe the beginning of twenty twenty two. But you know, maybe New York for you know at a theater for uh, two or three shows, and or maybe a couple festivals in Europe and. I mean, it's going to be fun. This band is so good. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about myself, just talking about technically, like everybody else is going to be so ready to play these songs without having too much rehearsal that we should be able to kind of whip it up pretty quickly and have some yeah, fun. Yeah, we might have another there's, record. We there's might plenty have of, yeah. We, we, we will have a record, I think, by June of next year, I hope. so. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I have another idea. Uh, you know, Stone, Stone is talking about jumping on your Dylan gig with this. What what about yeah. the other way around? What about Stone doing double duty and, and putting Painted Shield on before some Pearl Jam dates? Oh yeah, that'd be. Yeah, I'll well, talk. Yeah. To, I'm going to talk to Eddie about that. I think it's got. I, that might be more than I could actually handle. I, I don't know. <laughs> Three hour Pearl Jam set and a, an hour with Painted Shield. I might expire. Just put a but, wig on. You know, just put a wig on and like a a white suit or something for the Painted. But Shield. you know, Pearl Jam takes a lot of days off, so we could probably play a gig. You know somewhere on as i'm touring too with pearl jam so anything's possible yeah all right well we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens uh going forward but i i think it's a, a really cool record there's a lot of cool sounds on it there's a lot of cool things going on on it and um you know i i wish you luck with it and what has the reaction been so far uh because you have put a couple songs out and there's a few videos online as well what has the reaction been uh from the I would, I guess the immediate people to gravitate towards this stone would be Pearl Jam fans. We know how passionate and rabid they are about all the projects that all the members do. What's been the early feedback that you're getting in advance of the record coming out? I mean, I only hear good news in general, but that's, you know, that's just the way. <laughs> Nobody's telling me, hey, your record sucks, man. Just stop. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, no, I think I think people are I think people are digging it. Um, our the most exciting thing that we we got a we got a four star review in Mojo a couple two days ago. So uh, that to me, if the if the English if the English say your record's okay, then that's always helpful because uh, they're hard to please. Um, so we're we're happy with that. And uh, but the band is just psyched about it. We're we're just we're having fun, and um, we're just going to keep making music and see what happens. And uh, if you can, can you give the audience, is there anything you can tell the audience about future Pearl Jam uh, fans, uh, plans rather, any plans you can share that are, are are in the discussions as maybe things start to get ready to come back next year? I mean, I think all the dates that 
we had that we canceled are all getting you know they're just getting rolled into the next year so we're going to make up all the gigs that we missed to start out with and they're all you know we're going to be out there as soon as we can do it safely um so we've got a lot of makeup gigs to do and uh we're going to do that and uh i think that they'll at some point we'll do some stuff from our studio um i'm sure we'll do something live from our you know from our warehouse studio at some point we haven't got there yet um but uh you know gigaton's a great i'm so excited about that record it's a great record and uh i can't wait to go out and play shows for it it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome yeah unfortunately i think there's a lot of artists like yourself like pearl jam that have made great records and i think to some degree they've gotten a little lost in this whole pandemic thing because you couldn't properly promote them the way you wanted to. So I think you're going to see people finally getting a chance to promote those records. And then also potentially I've talked to a lot of artists and you guys referenced it, at least with painted shield that you actually could have a second record created in the pandemic, you know, that could come right on the heels of it. I mean, there were a lot of artists that were holding records back from release when the pandemic first happened and then said, the hell with it let's just get this out because i'm already working on another one and i think you're going to see a ton of music and a ton of live shows all come crashing out once the the floodgates open it's going to be nuts yeah there'll be some real joy (laughs) there's going to be a lot of people just saying how could i have ever complained about what i do for a living ever Yeah. yeah 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 no doubt all right before i let you guys go um matt we referenced a few of the people you've played with from dylan currently to bowie uh, some others that escaped me at the second that I'm sure we just talked about. And then Stone, I, I look at, at your history, and of course, obviously Pearl Jam immediately comes to mind, but you've also been in a band with other great front, you know, Eddie Vedder, of course, but other great front men and singers like Andy Wood, uh, you know, Chris Cornell. Can you give me a, Matt, maybe starting with you, and Stone can think about this for a second. Can you give me a favorite experience so far as a musician of a favorite moment with some of these legendary people that you shared a stage with? Is there a show? Is there a moment? Is there a story that jumps out that you can share with the audience about working with people like this? I mean, for me personally, I think it would be, uh, it would be making Mirrorball with, um, with Neil Young. I mean, having Neil Young call, call our band and say, Hey, you know, Pearl Jam, I, I've got some songs. I want to come up and do them with you. And, and we're like, okay, that sounds great. And it's like, well, Eddie can do some, but I really just need the band because I'm, I'm going to be singing them. And, <laughs> and so we're like, okay, that sounds. And then he would, you know, he would just write songs at night in his hotel and he would show up the next day and they would be classic Neil Young songs, you know, a few chords, not that many. And uh, he would show them to us and we'd all be scrambling to kind of go, okay, I think I know what that is. And he'd say, okay, here we go, go. And we'd play it twice and then he'd go, okay, done. And then we'd move on to the next thing. And we made a record in four days like that, which it sounds a little bit like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little haphazard, but to have somebody like that and to be able to experience his power in the room, recording with him and playing these simple chords and just him saying, you guys have something that I like and I want to do this with you guys. I mean, that, that was maybe one of the highlights of my life for sure. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good, uh, holy shit moment right there. Yeah. Matt, before we throw it to you real quick, can you, can you share with the audience for, for a second stone to something on, on, on Andrew Wood? Because I, I always felt that if he, you know, if he, he, he was, he could have been, especially with the, 
MTV and the videos and everything that that he brought to the stage, he could have really been uh, next level rock star. He could have really been a, a, a true icon to people who know him and know the work. They already feel that way. But you know, what were your experiences when you look back on what could what he could have done in his career? Uh, what what can you share about uh, that working with him? You know, I I think the 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 main thing I remember. Um, in my relationship with Andy is just his uh, his charisma and how much love uh, he could generate in, in a tangible way. And it was, you know, everybody that met him was charmed by him and all wanted to like hang out with him because he was uh, self-deprecating. Uh, he was funny. He was totally spontaneously hilarious like an in in like as any actor comedian would be and he would write these beautiful and and the and the nature of his phrasing and the nature of his lyric writing it was just so unpretentious and so like um homemade and beautiful and that, that he was pasting things together from you know uh discharge to kiss to a prince to um like all these element, you know, all these strange elements that wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily think that they would go together. He, he brought together. I mean, he just had lessons for everybody in terms of like, well, this is, this is, this is great. And, um, and I think his, he's an, he was animated by love. He really was. And that's what's so powerful about his music and, and what, you know, what I think you're talking about, um, you know, he could have done anything. I think uh, Mother Love Bone was a narrow bandwidth for him. He could have really um, done a lot of different things. And uh, but mostly I just I remember just just being charmed by him all the time and, and just being sort of, you know, uh, uh, just wanted to hang out with him, just wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, to do stuff with him. Uh, he was just that kind of guy. Matt, you've uh you know, you've occupied the kit you know, behind some greats, whether it, you know, it be the brief time you were in Pearl Jam or filling in in Soundgarden, or you mentioned Elton John, you mentioned Bowie, you mentioned Dylan currently. What, what's your holy shit moment, for lack of a better explanation here? Um, I, you know, as, as you asked me that question, I was just sitting here thinking, I, I think with most people that are icons like that, it's just holy shit the whole time. Because you just get in, you're in their world for that time you're working with them. And it's just, holy shit. This is whoever, you know, whoever it is. It's like, oh my God, they're incredible. That's why they're who they are. I mean, like this past week, I just did, uh, you know, I generally do sessions with people. I'm like a session musician, I guess. That's my day job. And I just got to work on some new music for Adele. And to hear that voice in my headphones was giving me like chills. Like it was just so powerful and emotive. And I mean, you know, her voice, I mean, it's just, but to be across the room from somebody doing that, it's just insane. Cause you just, you know, you hear it on the radio or whatever. And you're like, yeah, it sounds really good. But to be in the room with these people and feel that energy. And it's just, it's just so heavy. Was she you know, was she cutting something live with you? Were you cutting? Was, was she singing live while you were cutting drums? 
she's uh writing some new material with this songwriter rick knowles and nice. uh she wanted to do it with some drums yeah and so we just put our masks on and she was in the room and uh yeah holy shit yeah. <laughs> well, to, to be able to hear to be able to hear it that uh pure coming right out of the mouth before it gets recorded yeah. and anything thrown on mixed it or and, mixed yeah. or effects or whatever to hear it so so pure is is a real treat i would think for any any singer or musician uh, to to be right there at the genesis of it yeah to be to be there while um you're doing takes and while you're searching for whatever the vibe is and then to hit on it with everybody together is incredible with anybody, really. I mean, you know, anybody that's a musician that's listening to you and you're playing off of them, it's just, you know, you, you leave at the end of the day just going, wow, that's why I do music. You know, it's, yeah. it's magical, you know. Yeah. And, but I would say that, yeah, I mean, there's so many stories for these people I've worked with. But, um, I mean, I don't know if I should tell them. <laughs> well those are usually the best ones matt i hate to tell you the ones you question whether you should tell it usually the ones everybody would want to hear but i don't want you to blow any gigs either so yeah i've signed some well, NDAs. I, I, played, I played a few shows with matt and got to play drums with him i mean we've jammed lots of times just us in 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 rooms together where nobody was recording or doing anything other than just uh, listening and Matt is is a incredible musician, such a fun fun drummer to play with, and so musical, and really can take it to the next level. If you you hit on a riff, and then he'll double back on it, and then you hit something else, and he'll take that to the next level. So he's he's so much fun to play with. It's understandable well, you, why Adele is calling him in yeah. the middle of the night. Well, you well, can. She didn't call me. Her her songwriter called me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the hell I was. And then the lawyer know who the hell I am. And then the lawyer <laughs> called you and sent you the NDA, which is why you can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. I probably shouldn't even be talking about this, should I? Oh, fuck. Uh, guys, <laughs> I appreciate the time. And uh, you can hear, you know, Matt and Stone's musicianship and, and Mason and, and everybody who contributed to this record. Again, the, the band, the album is called Painted Shield. That's the name of the band. You can hear it. On Friday, it is released everywhere. As you just heard the guy say, it has had a long birth. It's been, you know, you, you trace the history of Knife Fight back. Sure. It's about it's about an eight eight year, uh, you know, gestation period, if you will, for this yeah. thing to come out. But it's finally here and uh, days away from coming out. And great way to celebrate post Thanksgiving to get some new music. So people can yeah. go check it's it out. It's old on guy. Friday. It's old guy rock. It takes a long time these days. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's like going. It's like having to go to the bathroom all the time. <laughs> well, you, you already mentioned you go to bed really early, Stone. So yeah, you really are. You, you you've got the sweatpants on. You've got the the sweater. You go to sweater. bed early. Yeah. Sweater. What's that on your head? What's uh, that on your head? My head's my hat. I'm just. What? I'm going for a. I'm going for a Liam Gallagher. Oh, it, it worked. It, it looks good. working for you. Yeah, okay. it's a good look. Yeah. You should dye all your right. hair white. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's great to uh, meet both of you and have you on the show. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Best of luck with Painted Shield. And 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 Matt, best of luck with all your other projects and, and Stone, Pearl Jam, whatever else you have coming. All the best to you guys, and, and thank you for the time today. Thanks, Eddie. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. You got it. Take care, guys. Good luck. All right.
Kind of crazy that in all these years, I have never interviewed Stone Gossard before. Mike McCready of Pearl Jam, I've had on quite a bit and know Mike pretty well, but never had the chance to talk to Stone, and it was cool to talk to Matt as well. And thanks earlier to Sean Kinney and Jerry Cantrell for joining me from Alice in Chains. What a huge podcast this week. Uh, two you know members of two of the biggest bands to come out in the late 80s and early 90s there on this uh, this latest podcast. Just great stuff. Hey, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Katie Rosari for putting it all together and producing. Remember, follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk. Remember, the interviews you heard came from my radio show, Trunk Nation, on Sirius XM Volume 106, Monday through Friday, live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Nightly replays, 10 to midnight Eastern, and anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. We also thank Goodies Powder and their new product, Goodies Hangover. You know the deal by now. It is that powerful pain reliever that you need, that boosting ingredient you need when you have a hangover. Fast pain relief and a boost of alertness. It'll help you battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with that hangover. Hangover relief at the speed of powder. Goodies Hangover, available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, other fine retailers. More info at goodiespowder.com. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Take care.